0: great to be with you uh this morning i just thought this evening no it is this morning what is really exciting for me is there are so many everton fans in the room it's 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 very unusual you're laughing is it it's very very unusual to be public about it this early on in the season and normally we become quieter as the optimism disappears but it's very i just looked It's like there are four everton fans in the room it's very anyway so it's not the whole of the fan club, but it's, uh, it's a sizable part of the Riverside fan club. So this morning I am looking at the God who notices, and he notices more than just Everton fans in a room. Now in my household there has been some discussion verging on debate as to whether or not I'm qualified to judge whether God notices. This. Debate, discussion uh, is centred around an ability that I have that I've passed on to my daughters, Rebecca and Katie. And as a family, we have a word for it. And this word is called inobservance. <laughs> now, inobservance is a little like being unobservant, only it's a thousand times worse, apparently. So perhaps the best way to illustrate my inobservance is to show you this stunning photograph that I took. So this is me having, having a Jesus moment. I'm on the Sea of Galilee, well obviously I'm on the shoreline, not in the Sea of Galilee, and the sun is setting and I'm thinking, Jesus thoughts. Now, what an amazing photograph you can see. Uh, maybe you're not getting the full aspect of it, so let's go to this one. Do you notice anything in this picture? Okay, the bottom left-hand corner, maybe you go to that one. Yes, a white plastic table. In fact, Henry pointed out to me that I, even after taking the picture, I didn't notice that I'd taken a picture of the white plastic table until somebody said, why have you put the white plastic table in that photograph? (laughs) How could I not see it? How could I not see something right in front of my eyes? How could I fail to notice? It's so obvious. But actually, it's really easy to fail to notice, especially if you're not looking for white plastic tables. Now, a few weeks ago, I, got, I was very excited to get an email from Google Scholar. And here we go. And uh, as you can see, this was about my groundbreaking uh, article on examining the the beliefs of Christian coaches and how they impact their coaching practice. I was very excited to get this email. At last, my academic career has going to take off. And then I noticed, in the 10 years since this article has been published, only eight people have cited it. Academically, I am... (laughs) invisible. <laughs> Nobody has noticed my, my life's work. Uh, thank you, I appreciate the love. Okay. But noticing or failing to notice a white plastic table but not feeling noticed for your work or for who you are is infinitely more powerful and it can have a real negative impact on how we see ourselves. So when I started thinking about The God Who Notices, a number of stories jumped into my mind. And sadly for you, we've only got time for three, otherwise we'd be here for a long time. But allegedly, we have 20 minutes. But I'll just take the watch here. I've seen people do, preachers do this and they put their watch down. And I think it's because time stops for those people. So let's see, let's see what happens. So I'm going to highlight three. There we go. But the theme of God noticing is always through the Bible. So the first one is in the call of Moses. So this is in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. So, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire, from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Great story. Verse 2 is really interesting. Verse 2, Moses notices something unusual. So the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. But then verse 4, in my version, it says, God noticed that Moses noticed. So a question, this is a rhetorical question for you. I have a reputation for asking questions, so this is a rhetorical question, and you can discuss it over lunch. How closely How intently was God looking at Moses to notice what Moses noticed? Sadly, we haven't got time to discuss that. Uh, Secondly, second story that came to mind was in Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, from the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you so god is walking in the garden in the cool of the day and he notices something has changed he then asks in verse 9 that question where are you this is not a geographical question this is a relational question god and man's intimate relationship has been broken god felt this deeply God had noticed. He'd noticed that break in that relationship. The third story of God noticing is in Genesis 16. And this is a beautiful story of God noticing a runaway pregnant Egyptian slave in a desert. So, Genesis 16, starting at verse 6. "'Your slave is in your hands,' Abram said. "'Do with her whatever you think best.' "'Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she, fled from, so she fled from her. "'The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the, in the desert.'" She, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. So basically, she's heading back to Egypt, where she was from. "'He said to her, Hagar, slave of Sarai, "'where have you come from and where are you going?' I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah," she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, "Go back to your mistress and submit to her." The angel added, "I will increase your descendants so much that they will become too numerous to count." Okay, so there's a bit more of that story, but never mind. We will we will carry on. It's really interesting. So Hagar, she's been mistreated. She flees in fear. She's alone she's pregnant, she's feeling unloved, and she is literally in a desert. Verse 8 is really interesting. The first words out of the mouth of the angel of the Lord is Hagar. He calls her by name. In contrast to Abram and Sarah, she's just a slave. It's your slave, my slave. But the angel of the Lord knows her. He gives her dignity by calling her by name. And in John 10, we're reminded, you know, Jesus says, he calls his sheep by name. He notices, he knows our name. In verse 13, if we'd read a little bit further on that passage, uh, Hagar gives uh, God the name, or reveals his new name, El Royi, which is the God who sees. And what I noticed really interestingly in that passage was God sends her back. Her situation didn't change, but she had changed. She knew that God had seen her. She knew that he was with her. So, and if you notice too, he'd given her a purpose. He'd given her a promise and a purpose so that she could now be obedient and follow God's instructions. So I'll just say that again. That she knew, um, so he sent her back, she knew that God had seen her, that she had changed, even though her situation hadn't changed. And he'd given her a promise, and she had the purpose in the now to follow God's instructions. And I was reminded in this story, once again, God noticing does not mean our circumstances instantly change the Psalms too are fantastic they're an amazing place to look at the Psalmist experience of the God who notices and as you read them you'll discover it's not always as neat and tidy as we would like them to be but actually life isn't always neat and tidy in Psalm 121 This is such an amazing psalm. We discover something very reassuring, something the psalmist really wants us to get, wants us to have no doubt over. So let me read to you, because I know you like me reading. Uh, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, and the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He watches over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. So something really interesting in these eight verses, you will notice something, hopefully in the next slide, some clever, yes, there we go. It's highlighted five times. That phrase. He wants us to have no doubt that the Lord is watching over you. And he's what, so the Lord notices because he's watching over you. So what about Jesus? And that was, we asked a question earlier on. What do we learn about the God who notices from the life and the words of Jesus? So we now have a question. This is where you do get a chance. This is not a rhetorical question. So I know um, Nathaniel on the line. Is go- Nathaniel is going to share some of the online stuff. He's going to come up. And also, this is a chance for David to speak in the room rather than just online. But anybody else can speak too. So, who who does Jesus notice? Or oh, we're going to have a long period of quiet on the internet. You can shout out. The woman who touched his garment. The woman who touched his garment. Thank you. Was that it? A blind man. A blind man. Zacchaeus. We'll get to Zacchaeus in a minute, David. Well done for the correct answer. That's the one that we have in the talk. See, I knew, I knew he would do it. Do we have, do we have anything? These yes. guys are really quiet. It's like, have you been to church before? <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm very concerned. Uh, Maggie on the chat says, Jesus noticed poor people, the hurting uh, and the unloved people of this world. And he, uh, someone else? Richard? Re- rick said jesus noticed suffering individuals and he noticed the hunger in crowds of people and i think there was one more good one um Anne said he noticed those who were poor those who were disabled victims of prejudice and the marginalized Ooh, very good top answer anybody else before we, we move on the children thank you so the kind of the people who were completely you know the invisible uh, But but you stay for the next question so Dave gave the top answer, or the answer I wanted someone to say. So let's look at um, Luke 19. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there was by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who... uh, He wanted to see... let me try and read that in English. That might be easier, mightn't it? Okay. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead. And obviously in that culture, you know, in Middle East, they don't run because it's not dignified to run. Only slaves run. Anyway, he runs and then does that really dignified thing, climbs up a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately, I must stay at your house. Let me read that last verse. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So there's a crowd of people. You know, Jesus is surrounded by people, and he stops and gets to this tree and looks up and sees the guy up a tree. How How amazing. What a powerful experience to be noticed by somebody. And not just anybody, but to be noticed by Jesus. It's like, wow. I can imagine Grandfather Zacchaeus telling the story to his grandchildren about the time he met Jesus up a tree. Um, So, now, you probably... This probably won't come as a shock to you, uh, but many years ago, I was a bodyguard to a famous American, and you, well it's not, not too, I thought that would get, yes of course we, we, we realise that, we've stalked you on Facebook, we know that was part of your early career. It was the last day of the UK tour, and we were spending the day in London uh, before the event in the, on, the, on the evening, on Friday, Friday evening in London. So we went to Leicester Square, and we go to his favourite restaurant in Leicester Square, which was Garfunkel's. So we walk into Garfunkel's, and we make our way to our table, and there's a shout, and someone starts running towards us. And the guy says, Paul, great to see you, and gave me a big hug. Obviously, pre-Covid, obviously. Um, I grew two feet taller, because here I am, protecting this guy from being recognised, and I'm the one that was recognised. You know, it was, it's like... So Actually, you're looking after me. I, I thought that, but I didn't say that. Sometimes, though, if I'm honest, it doesn't feel like God notices me. It can feel like I'm wearing Harry Potter's cloak of invisibility. Not feeling noticed is a really lonely place. So I want just take a moment to reflect on this next question. What do you do when you feel invisible, when you feel God hasn't noticed? Also, we're all different. We all have different strategies about what we do when we feel like this. So, what do you do when you feel invisible, when God hasn't noticed? So, Nathaniel, what was your answer to that question? Um, I think... In in thinking about that, it was um, to turn to the Bible because sometimes what I think or what we think can be um, not always the truth. So then actually going, right, what does the Bible say about this situation? Um, And let me hear some truth. Okay, brilliant. It's kind of interesting. When we go really, really, really fast, we miss so many things. and We actually have to go slower to notice. So personally... I do three things. So, I do three things when I feel like this. First of all, really simple, look to Jesus. And I remember he notices lost things, you know, lost coins, lost sheep, lost sons. So, you know, the invisible, he notices. I then remember his words, you know, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, or at the end of Matthew's Gospel, yeah, um, I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. Secondly, just like you, I look at the Bible and in preparation for this, I discovered Lamentations chapter 3. Amazing, amazing chapter when you kind of feel invisible and God's not doing his stuff. And I read this chapter and I like, wow, if only I had an extra 20 minutes, we could have talked about Lamentations chapter 3. But we haven't. And thirdly, and in true who-wants-to-be-a-millionaire fashion, phone a friend. But actually, it's even better to go for a coffee or another beverage if they are on offer. I mean, a very good group of, uh, of, of beverages, of, uh, of whiskey pappas, we're called ourselves. That's a very, they're very illustrious groups. So what have we discovered this morning? We've discovered that God notices us because he is watching over us. We've discovered that we're not alone, that actually most of us have felt like that at some time. We've felt unnoticed. We've felt invisible. And we've heard, and we can look online, at some of the different strategies that other people do when they feel like this. So in closing, I suppose, I want to ask you a kind of simple question. Because you might ask, why does God notice? So I was looking for a killer illustration for this. Uh, but I realised, sort of reflecting on my preparation, that the answer is to that question, why does God notice? You notice what you love. God notices you because he loves you. He loves you with a passion that cannot be assuaged. He notices you because he loves you and he invites you to walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day. That's that's what he wants for all of us.